0: We're going to continue in our series out of the book of Acts, and we have Michael Hansen who will be
1: sharing with us this
0: morning, so let's give it up for Michael.
1: Thank you. It's good to see everyone. Everyone enjoy the game last night? Okay. (laughs) I'm feeling it, Danny. Hey, well... uh, I know there's, I, I can see some new faces today. We, we've been in a series called The Church in Motion. We're, looking, we're going through the book of Acts, and today I'm going to be looking at Acts 19. And really, I'm, uh, if you were here last weekend, I'm jumping off. Uh, Heather Kamira spoke last weekend. If you missed it, uh, you can get her free. There's a free CD on the info counter. Uh, as you leave or you can go online. Uh, or we have a bunch of eight tracks in the dumpster out back. But uh, uh, make sure you hear it. Uh, one of the things Heather did last weekend that that really uh, grabbed me was she, she did a great job just helping us connect with the humanity of Paul, right? The Apostle Paul is like, you know, he's just this bigger-than-life character in the Bible. And last week, we got to look at how Paul was experiencing, you know, fear. Paul was weary. He was tired. Paul was, Paul was anxious. And, and, and like I said, there, you know, there are so many amazing stories in the book of Acts. And Paul is in the middle of most of them. And Heather said this last weekend that it's easy to look at Paul, you know, from our vantage point, looking back, looking at all these stories, it's easy to look at this guy and think, you know what, he, he had to have been special. He had to have been just, you know, maybe there was a steroid that was available in their time. There's some, he had to be at some level superhuman. But we need to remember that Paul was just a guy, right? Uh, Paul had a full-time job. He was a tent maker. Paul, I'm sure he ate. I'm sure he slept. I'm sure from time to time he had a bath. Uh, There's a little known fact that he had a golden retriever named Patches. Uh, I will not divulge my source. But what, what, (laughs) what we see in the life of Paul is not the life of a superhuman, but rather the life of someone who was led by and empowered by the Spirit of God. And it says this in your notes. It says the norm, not the exception. And, and what we see in the life of Paul is the norm, not the exception. Now, do you believe that? Like, do you believe that, that, uh, that we could live that kind of life too? Like, do you believe that it's possible for us to live this kind of life? Jesus said in uh, John 14, 12, he, he said, I tell you the truth, anyone Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to, the fa- uh, going to be with the Father. And I don't know about you, but you know, I've known that verse most of my life. And I, even today as I read that, I go, really? Like even to get remotely close to Jesus, uh, the works of Jesus just seems bit so beyond our abilities. But for him to say, Ah, actually, you guys are going to do greater works. I'm like, how is that even possible? right? But, but he answers his own, he answers the question when he says, and this phrase should be like, a, for many of us, like a ding, 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 ding. It should sort of remind us of an event. He answers the question by saying, because I am going to the Father. Well, let me ask you a question. What happened when Jesus went to the Father? And think Book of Acts. Yeah, he sent the Holy Spirit. He sent, just like he promised, he sent the Spirit of God, God, to come and live inside his followers, to come and empower us to be his witnesses, to empower us, to give us the you know, the fuel to live to live the Christian life and, and what we, so what we see in the life of Paul, all that he did, all that he said, he was able to do it and say it because of the Holy Spirit, God, that the power and presence of God living in his life. And we've been invited into the same. The reality is in this room right now, uh, in each one of us, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, if, you, if you've said yes to Jesus, I want to follow you, I don't understand it all, but I want to follow you, there is unlimited power living in you. Unlimited power. And, and uh, it, it's like this. I remember when we first moved to, uh, <clears throat> to Ohio, we lived in Westerville, South Westerville. Uh, And one of my neighbors uh, bought a brand new BMW. And uh, I don't remember a lot about it, but it was a 318. It was white with maroon leather interior. Uh, You know, I wasn't jealous, or I wasn't out in the morning staring at it. But one time we were uh, out, we were driving on 270, and he let me drive. And I'm driving along, and I know we've got some police officers in the room, and I was going just appropriately over the speed limit. And we're going along and the music's cranked up and, we're, and, we're, and this guy's a big guy and this is his car and I'm driving and at one point all of a sudden he turns to me and he goes, so are you going to drive this thing? And I'm like, really? We just go taking off, flying down 270. Uh, thankfully there are no <laughs> policemen. In the, but, but he's looking at me going, there is so much power under the hood of this thing. Are you going to use it? And as we look at Acts 19, that's that's I believe God is challenging us, and he's inviting us. He's looking at the Holy Spirit, God living in you as a father, and he's, he's leaning into you today, and he's saying, so are you going to drive this thing? Are you going to lean into that the power? Like It's, it's an invitation. Are you going to lean into the, the ultimate power source in your life? And what we're going to look at this morning as we... Uh, look at Acts 19, is I just want to touch on some hindrances that some things that trip us up in, in, in being able to drive this thing, some hindrances to, to leaning into the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So let's, uh, let's pray, and then uh, we'll jump into Acts 19. So Lord, uh, I thank you so much for your presence today. Just all through worship, it was just, it just seemed like all, the, just wave after wave of you just pouring on us, and I I think of the talk I've got prepared, and I, Holy Spirit, it's all about you, this whole talk is about you, and I know you're here with us, and uh, I know you know our condition, you know our struggles as humans, and I pray today that you would come and uh, do what we can't do. Lord, that you would come, and just to carry the analogy, that you would come and just rev, just rev up inside of us. Lord, re- re- refresh us, uh, surprise us with, with just how close you are, and, and remind us of the incredible, uh, just the, the source that lives within us. Lord, we welcome you here today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, turn in your Bibles if you've got a Bible or in your smartphone. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles at the front and also at the back. You can feel free to grab one. But again, we're looking at Acts 19. We're going to start verse 1 uh, through 7, and it's page 1109. Just trying to be a helper. Okay, here we go. Acts 19, verse 1. It says, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So we'll stop there. Okay, so just to get a, a picture, you know, here's Paul traveling all around. Now he's coming to the city of Ephesus, and he comes in, and, and, it's, and we don't have lots of details when we, when we read what I, you know, what I just read. It feels like we almost jump into the middle of a conversation, but... but but Paul's talking to these men and their and their disciples. Uh, they would be believers, and and but Paul, in the conversation, Paul, it's like he's picking up on something. Like there's something just not right with these guys. There's something there's something missing. So he asks them this question, and it's a very specific question. He goes, "Hey, you guys, when you believed, uh, did you receive the Holy Spirit?" And it's interesting to me when I read that, I thought, "Huh." Uh, you know, if I was talking with someone and, and trying to get a sense of their understanding of what it means to be a Christian, right? If I was trying to get a sense of what it means to be a disciple, there's lots of questions I would, would ask them in this day and age. I'd say, well, hey, are, you know, are you in a church? Are you, uh, are you, do you read your Bible? Do you pray? Are you, you know, uh, uh, you know just, I mean, lots of questions that, that, that I would ask to get a sense of, of their understanding of what it means to be a Christian. It's interesting to me that where Paul goes, the key question for him is, Hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And their answer, or Paul, Paul's asking that because he knows, he knows that to truly be a disciple, to truly be a follower of Jesus, it's impossible without the Spirit of God living in you. So he asks that question, and their answer is very telling. It's like, no, we, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. And Paul's like, bingo. Okay, that's what I'm picking up on. That's what's missing in, this, in, in, in these guys. And, and then he asked the question, well, well then, hey, what baptism did you receive? And they say John's baptism. This leads us to the first point in your outline there. When you say yes to Jesus, when you say yes to following Jesus, number one in your notes is, you are both called out of, but you're also called into. Okay, when you say yes to Jesus, you're called out of, and you're called into. When Paul said or when when these guys uh, responded with well, you know we you know we were baptized by John that's you know that's the the baptism that we received John's baptism as Paul said was a call to repentance. Right? Remember John the Baptist this crazy man out in the Jordan River and what was his common message it was repent. It was turn back, like turn back, turn away. You know, he was calling them out of your sinful, selfish you know, God ignorant, rebellion against God, he was calling them out of that, right? That's part of saying yes to Jesus, but we're also, we're not just called out, we're also called into. We're called into a life where we have a relationship with the, with the spirit of God living us, with, living in us and, you know, the power of presence of God empowering us to, to do all that, he's, all that he's given us to do. And one of the hindrances to us uh, driving this thing, one of the hindrances to us leaning into the power of the Spirit is when we focus more on what we've been called out of than on what we've been called into. Okay, does that make sense? Where, where it's like you, 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 you focus more on, I need to stop doing that. Okay, I need to make myself better. I've got, I've got to change that about me. I've got to stop doing this. I've got to stop doing that. When, when that's the focus of your life, Let's be honest, Christianity's a drag. Right? Who would want to like you you want to invite someone into that? I got to stop this and I oh man, ooh, I to, but boy, I want to do that but I can't do that and it's like this your 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 faith becomes this long list of don'ts. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. Stop that. Ooh, you really better stop. And it's just this long list and but but we've been called out of we've also been called into a relationship with the power source, who loves us, who's, who's able to, to, to draw us out of and, and change us and heal us and restore us and, and make us into the people he wants us to be. There's, there's a lot of joy. There's a lot of life as we walk into what we've been called into. And, and the picture I get when I think about this is years ago we bought a trampoline and no exaggeration, we got two little booklets with our trampoline and one of them was really thin. And it was the instructions on how to build the trampoline. And the other one was like half an inch thick. And it was all warnings. Warning. You know, don't use a blender on the trampoline. Don't. I mean, all these things. I mean, lawyers, right? Warning. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. And, I, and even I laughed. Even as I was skimming through this thing. Like, have people actually done these things? Like, nowhere. Nowhere in any of the information we got did it say, Congratulations you just bought a trampoline. Have fun. Right? Nowhere. Nowhere does it say that. And we need to be reminded this morning, for, for many of us today, we need to be reminded that uh, that what we've been called into, right, this, this relationship, the, you know, the power and presence of God, the Holy Spirit living in us, that, that yes, it's important to be aware of what we've been called out of. It's important to be aware of the things that tempt us. Like, Saying no to sin is very important. But we we also need to step into what we've been called into. A God who loves us, who lives in us, who's actually able to change us. To do what, what we can't do. Listen to this out of Philippians 2 verse 12. And this is Paul speaking. He says, therefore my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Keep working on it. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Like, is that not a sweet deal? He's working in you right now. He's working in you to rescue you and save you and, 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 and you know, keep you more walking in the things that he's called you into. And I, you know, my hunch today is that there's some people here, uh, if you were honest, you'd say, you know what? Like the, like the disciples in the story, you know, to be honest, I'm not sure I've really heard about the Holy Spirit. I didn't know there was help. I didn't know there was a helper in this thing. I thought being a Christian was God just sort of looked at you and said, now you stop doing that and you start doing that. I thought that's, that's just the deal. It's like get to work. But what you need to hear today is that the, one of the works of the Spirit of God he's, that, he's, that he's doing in you right now is he's helping you with both. He's helping set you free, and he's helping you to walk in what he's made you for. And then there may be some people uh, that you're you're very familiar with the Holy Spirit. And I, and just to carry the analogy, the sense I had, there's some people here today that God wants to remind you that there's so much more under the hood than you've been using. And that's not like shame on you. It's like, come on. It's an invitation. There's so much more. Power than what you've been walking in. So Paul, he, you know, he's talking with these guys. He, uh, he lays his hands on them. The Holy Spirit comes on them. They speak in tongues. Uh, they prophesy. They start to play hockey. It's a natural outflow of the power of the Spirit. Uh, you know, he's, he stays on. He's teaching in Ephesus. And let's read on now. Uh, we're going to skip verse, to verse 11. And verse 11 says this. I'm just going to look at two verses here. So Paul's, you know, he's working in, in Ephesus. And then it says in verse 11... God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Okay, i stop there. Now, in your notes, it says this number two it's, uh, it's His power, His way. His power, His way. And here's, I'm going to start looking at His power. When I read these two verses, uh, what jumped out at me right away were these four words. Uh, God did through Paul. Now think about that. God did through Paul. It's his power. Right? Well, What we have been called into is uh, a lifelong journey till we get to heaven where God's commitment to you and I is, I'm going to give you all you need to do what I've called you to do. Right? It's, it's, it's his power. And Paul uh, Paul was so aware of his weaknesses. Paul was so, so aware of his need, his need for God. And, and in one of his letters to the church in Corinth, he said this, 2 Corinthians 4, he says, but we have this treasure. What's the treasure, Paul? The power and presence of God. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. See, another hindrance to, to driving this thing, to walking in the spirit, or in the power of the spirit, is limiting God by the way we see ourselves. Right? Paul was, was so in touch with the, tr- the fact that he's just a container. Right? And what I love about Paul is he, he was aware that he's not even a fancy container. I mean, he's not even like an IKEA jug. It'll shout out to IKEA. It's on its way. <laughs> maybe, maybe the guys are like, "Oh, I thought he was cool, but I'm not so sure now." I gotta toughen up a bit here. But but here, you know, look at how the you know the great the great Apostle Paul, he saw himself as a common, fragile clay pot. That's how, you know jars of clay. That's how he saw himself. But there's nowhere in the, in the writings of Paul where he saw that as a limitation. There's nowhere where he saw that as something that got in the way. And, and, and his confidence was in the treasure. His, his confidence was in what was inside. That's what, he, that's what he depended on. That's what he trusted in the power and presence of God living in him. And you know what? If our eyes were open right now, if we could see ourselves the way God sees us, the potential we would look around the room, and this would be a room filled with superheroes. Right? We'd all be in tights. No, well, don't, no don't picture that. But, we, <laughs> but the truth is, the truth is, there's unlimited power. There's unlimited power in us. And, and the, but the problem is we don't, we, just don't, we don't see ourselves that way. Right? We keep tripping up on our faults. We keep tripping up on the fact that we're weak, that we're, that we're fragile, that we're jars of clay, that we've, you know, we're, we're chipped, that we've been dropped and there's cracks and we, and, and, and I just know that there's people here today that if you were honest, you would say because of this or because I didn't do this, that I'm disqualified That somehow as God's pouring his power, his power, he's pouring his power into his followers, he looks at you and he goes, "Ah, that's not a safe bet. Right? Somehow you've been uh, disqualified. What do we see all through the Bible, all through history, God loves to pour his power into the most unlikely people. I mean, we don't have a slide for this, but 1 Corinthians 1, who does God pick when he picks his team? Uh, And this is Paul speaking He picks the foolish things, he picks the weak things, he picks the lowly things, the despised things. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging because I fit into some of those categories. But the truth is, God did through Paul, that there is so much that God wants to do through you, through you you're not disqualified. You're not on the bench. You need to hear that today. You're being, he's inviting you in and so his power and then, and then his way and I just want to touch on this. You know, here's Paul. All these crazy miracles, people, you know, it's like some blind guy's coming along. Has anyone got a tissue? And there's Paul. Here, buddy, take mine. And the guy goes, oh, I can see. You know, it's like, it's like all these bizarre things going on and, and it and. That's not in the Bible. But it's, uh, uh, but it's not the first time we've seen something like this. Like earlier on in Acts, there's Peter's shadow falls on people and, and they're healed. Or if you remember Jesus, the woman that reached out and uh, touched the hem of his garment and, and, and she was healed. And, and, you know, this last week as I was studying, I read like five or six commentaries on this passage. Because it's, it's like, what do you say about this passage? It's kind of bizarre. And they were all over the map. And here's what I want to, here's a sense I have when I look at this, this uh, what God was doing through Paul. Here's what, I, here's what I hear God saying in this passage, is I will not be put in a box. That's my power. And I'll wield it the way I want to wield it. Right? I, I, uh, wouldn't you agree as Americans, as Westerners, we're, we're a culture pretty obsessed. We have a very high value of efficiency and productivity, right? We're just like, we're constantly looking at how, how do we improve systems? How do we improve techniques? You know, you call a helpline for your computer or whatever and it's like, don't give me all the corporate, you know, talk. Just get to the point and tell me how to fix it, right? We're just, it's, we're a culture that's just, we're, we're, we're steeped in efficiency and productivity, but that's that's not what God's looking for. God, what God wants in his followers is he's looking for relationship and dependence. Right? We've been invited. What we've been called into is we get to walk with him as opposed to what we are called out of when it's like well, you're on your own. Just figure it out. Right? We've been invited into a, a relationship where we're, of, of depending. And It's what we see. It's what we see in the life of Jesus. It's how Jesus, as he walked this earth, it's how he lived his life. And very popular verse within the vineyard, John five nineteen says this. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he does. See, that's what Jesus modeled. Wherever he would go, he'd just say, okay... Father, what are you doing here and how do you want to do it? I mean, just imagine, you know, it's his power, he'll use it his way. Imagine what it would have been like, you know, if you were one of the disciples and you were sort of a, uh, a real go-getter disciple and you've got a little booklet and you're trying to, you know, de- develop this book of how-tos, right? You're following Jesus around and it's like, today we're learning how to heal blind people. Right? And you're one of the disciples, and you're following Jesus, and you go, oh, here, there's a blind guy. And, and Jesus walks up to him, and you're watching, and you're ready to take notes because you want to learn the system. Right? And Jesus touches the guy's eyes, and poof, he can see. And you're like, got it. To heal blind people, touch their eyes. And just as you finish that sentence, you look up, and he's, oh, hey, there's another blind guy. And Jesus walks up, and you go, and you're waiting for him to, to touch his eyes, and he just stands there and goes, see. That's quite a, quite a prayer. See. And the guy can see. And you're like, oh, wait a minute here. And you start, and then you look up, and it's and what's Jesus doing? He's spitting in someone's eyes. It's like you gotta be kidding me. He's spit, and then just as you just as you finish that, he he takes it even further, and now he's spitting on the ground, and he's making mud, and he's rubbing it on a blind guy's eyes to heal him, or he's using aprons, or he's using uh, he's using handkerchiefs. See what we've been called into is is a relationship. It's, you know, and I think it's going to take us a lifetime to learn how to walk with and listen to. But in many ways, I don't, I don't know about you, but that takes a lot of pressure off us. We just need to listen and do as we're told. You know, and I want to cr- encourage you. for you know, I think of one of our values or practices is we end each service by praying. We invite people forward and we pray for you. Prayer is such a powerful Uh, Tool we've been given as Christians and I want to encourage you when we say hey we need more prayers Come up and 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 take a risk come up and pray for someone because here's the thing. There's no Secret prayer there's no formula There's no like system. You have to follow all Well if there is all it is is come up. Hi. My name is your name What can I pray for you? Well, I'm responding to this you put your hand on their shoulder invite the Holy Spirit Right? The power and presence of God, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here. And then you listen. See, and here, here's the hunch I have. Here's what I would um, bet the farm on. Uh, all of us, I would say all of us already are hearing God. We're feeling his nudges. We're sensing his, we're, we're, we're sensing him. He's speaking to us. But one of the challenges when he speaks to us, it doesn't sound like Lauren Green. It doesn't sound like, I'm think of someone else. Okay, I thought that would get more of a hit. And it's not, it sounds like you. It sounds like your own voice. Hey, you should go talk to that guy. It just sounds like me. Right, but, but, but I want to challenge you that you are hearing his voice. And one of the ways you find out is you take a risk. Hey, can I pray for you? Well, I think, well, can I pray? You know, does that make sense? Okay, it makes sense to Greg, so we'll carry on. But I encourage you to, to try it out, to take a risk. Let's read on. I want to finish up here now. Verse 13 says this it says, Now some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon possessed. They would say, In the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know. And Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Okay, it's important to note that the city of Ephesus where Paul uh, was living and, and preaching and working that... That it was like a hotbed; it was a center for uh, for learning and practicing like magical arts. They had one of the wonders of the ancient world. It was the the temple of Artemis or, or of Diana. They had it was it was a it was a city just steeped in uh, uh, you know cultic practices, right? Uh, and and it's no wonder that when Paul wrote his letter to the church in this city, right, uh, the letter of Ephesians. That chapter 6, a good chunk of chapter 6 is talking about our battle with spiritual forces. Because he knew where this church lived. He knew the city that they were in was just, was just, you know, very consumed by the practice of spells and all these crazy things. And, and within this city, there were people who were literally, as a, for a trade, they were exorcists. Right? They, they, that they would drive demons out of people. They would drive demons, you know, out of homes or whatever the need was. And, and it was a trade. They would, they would make money by it. And they had different practices that they would use. Sometimes they would burn things. And they'd have the person inhale different, you know, smells to try to drive the demons out. Or they would use different spells. But or, uh, or, or one of the common ways that they would, they would go after demons was, was, by, was through names. And what I mean is this. It was, it was understood that to be able to name the spirit right, to name the spirit in someone somehow gave you power, right, sort of like knowledge is power, somehow it gave you power over that spirit, if you could name it, and we, and we see this really in, in the life of Jesus, when, remember when he would go into places like, you know, into the synagogue, or he'd go into somewhere, and suddenly a demon would just, rah, would would sort of, would yell out of a person, and what do we see many times where the demon would say, I know who you are, son of God. And what would Jesus do? Hey, you're doing this. Nobody would say, quiet. He would silence me. Wouldn't let them speak. There was something about this whole thing of, of the names. And so you've got these, you know, in, in, in the city of Ephesus, you've got these exorcists that are always on the lookout for what's the latest name. Like what's working on the street. Hey, this is their business. They want to they have a successful business. And, and so here's, this, here's Paul and talk about success. What's working on the street. Well, whoever this guy's calling on is what's working on the street, right? And who's Paul calling on? It's on the name of, of all names. He's calling the name of Jesus. And so that's what we see in this story. These, these exorcists, these seven sons of Sceva, they, you know, they pray this, and it's sort of a bizarre prayer. In the name of the Jesus whom, you know, this guy whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And, and like we saw in the story, it, it doesn't work, does it? And that's got to be a bit of an uh-oh moment, when you're used to being the authority and, and, you know, the one driving out instead of the one being driven out, to have this, this demon literally turn on you and, 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 and you know, uh, uh, to say, hey, Jesus, and probably shaking, oh, yeah, I know who Jesus is, right? And this Paul guy, well, yeah, I've heard of this Paul guy, but then to have this demon look you in the eye and say, but who are you? And then he whoops on him. So number three, number three in your notes is this, and we'll end off with this. Relationship plus surrender equals spiritual authority. Relationship plus surrender equals spiritual authority. See, these seven sons of Sceva, what they were looking for, they were looking for power. They were just looking for the magic words. They were not, there was no relationship, and it shows. See, Paul had authority because it was a relationship with Jesus. Right? These guys had no relationship. They, they're just like, give me the magic words. And, and there's, a, there's a difference. There's a difference between power and spiritual authority. Listen to this quote uh, from a guy named Gary Best. It's, uh, our success is commensurate, means proportionate, to the authority that backs us. And that backing is totally dependent on our obedience. When we are simply walking out what we have been commissioned to do, we can expect God's support. See, the goal is not to be people of power. The goal is to be people in relationship with and surrendered to the power, to God. See, again, there's a difference between power and spiritual authority. Here's here's an example of power. Uh, Some of you will remember this. I remember as a kid when we we would read comics, There'd be this ad in the comics for this 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 uh, workout uh, uh, magazine uh, called Charles Atlas. You remember that? It was like the early P90x, you know. And but there was this cartoon with it or, or a comic strip with it where this you know and this remember this skinny guy is going to the beach and he's got this really beautiful girlfriend and they go to the beach and they're lying on the beach and this bully walks up and he just kicks sand in the skinny guy's face. You remember this? And he takes his girl. Right, and the skinny guy gets up. Oh, gee, you know, and he he walks, he walks away off the beach. And as he's walking off the beach, he he finds this ad for Charles Atlas, this workout routine. And then it says, I don't know if it says days later or you know steroid injections later, but it says. But the next frame, he's coming back, and he is just buff. He is this big, strong guy, and he goes walking on the beach, and he goes, "Hey, get out of here!" You know, to the bully, and the bully, you know, runs away, and he gets his girl back. Well, see. That's a picture of power. That's what the seven sons of Sceva wanted. Just give me, give me the power so that I can yield it and do with it or, or wield it or do with it whatever I want to use it for. But see, that's not spiritual authority. Spiritual authority is different. And I want to read actually from this book. Uh, Gary Besch wrote a book called Naturally Supernatural. I want to read... Uh, how he defines spiritual authority. So the, t- the story I just told you, we're picking it up from when the skinny guy is leaving the beach after he's lost his girl. This is what it says. Uh, it says this. I suppose the story might play out much the same way until the young man wanders despondently away from the beach. This time, however, he doesn't encounter a magazine advertisement. He runs into an old friend, Arnold Schwarzenegger. As he... <laughs> little dated. As he pours out his heart to Arnie, his friend says, you know, well, let's go back and right this wrong. Excitedly, our young man returns, finds the beach bully, and puffing up his chest announces, you're out of here. With a frightened stare, the man forgets all about the beautiful girl and literally races for safety. Who is he staring at? At first, it might appear that he is looking at our new hero. In reality, he's looking just past him to the one riding shotgun off his right shoulder, Arnold. Hasta la vista, baby, he says. This is authority over power. Our man hasn't gained a pound or grown an inch. He has, however, gained authorization from a superior power that has agreed to back his act. That's spiritual authority. That's surrendered. And here, here, let me just finish off. One more chapter, or one more chapter. One more paragraph says this. This kind of support can be intoxicating. I can imagine our young man became so zealous that he decides to rid the beach of every undesirable. This could work well until Arnold breaks for lunch or decides that the mission has now exceeded what he originally authorized. So it is with our kingdom mission. Does that make sense? That's the surrender, right? As we're under authority, we have authority. It's not power. It's not just something we've been given. Just go do, you know, what, whatever we want. See, here's the hindrance to, to walking and, again, to driving this thing or walking in, in, in this, the, the power of the Holy Spirit. Another hindrance is if we only embrace the relationship side without surrender, Right? we can start to see God as, well, he's just here to fulfill my needs. Does that make sense? Like, oh, he's my buddy. And whenever I call on him, you know, like State Farm, he's there. Right? Or, he, or he's, he's, like, uh, he's like the genie in the lamp. Hey, I need you. I need you. I need your power. I need, you know, your, the goods. And he comes out and you get what you need and it's like, hey, come on, buddy. Back in the lamp, right, until I need you again. See, God is not a genie. He's not a, an easy button. Oh. He's not a rabbit's foot. He's not like an app. He's, you know, I think one of the, let me think how to say this. One of the, oh no, I'm off my notes. One of, I think one of, the, one of the sins of our culture is that we've forgotten that he's not here for us. We're here for him. Right in our in our in our a culture that we just all we can think about is what we want and what will make us happy. We've forgotten that he's the king. And we're the subjects. That he you know he, he's the master and we're 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 the servants. See, I think one of the things that, that, that keeps us from walking in a lot of what we see in the life of Paul is we're we're trying to get him to come do our plans. Instead of surrendering to him and saying, what do you want me to do? Right? What What do you say in this situation? Listen, uh, uh, there's a story in, in Joshua where, and don't put it up yet, Doug. There's a story in Joshua where, you know, this young warrior, Moses has died, and now he's leading the people. And here's Joshua, this warrior, and they're they're coming upon the city of Jericho, and they've had all these battles. They've been successful. And I'm sure, like, Joshua is just like, just say the word God and we're going to go take another city because they've been taking all these cities. And, and he looks up one morning and there's a man, just this man standing all by himself out in this field. And listen, this is Joshua 5 verse 13. It says, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked this, and this is our culture, hey, are you for us or for our enemies? And listen to the response, neither. Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? See, I think for some of us today, we need to follow Joshua's lead and come before the Lord and fall face down and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And my arrogance and my brokenness I've been trying to boss you around. And think about it, what kind of, who wants to follow a God that answers to me? Oh, that's no God. And what we see in the life of Paul, over and over, and it's what we, I was thinking, JT, I didn't, we didn't talk about this, but I was, as we were singing the second song today, we're all singing out, it will be my joy to say, your will, your way. It's like, really? Because that's what I'm talking about right now. That's what we see in the life of Paul. A guy who really got to a place where he could say, oh, it is my joy to say, I'm yours. Do with me what you want. Use me how you want to use me. Send me where you want to send me. Whatever you want. And, and that's, that's how we drive this thing. It's coming to that place of surrender of, of, of I'm yours. So why, don't, why don't we stand up? Here's what we're going to do. I just want to make time for folks to respond. Uh, We put a high value on praying for each other because it's just one of the ways that God works in our lives. When someone comes alongside and, and just blesses what God's doing. As I've been speaking, I know he's been... Just hooking hearts and saying, that's you. That's for you. And we want to give you a chance to respond and, and have someone pray for you. And, and, and one of the things is simply this, what I ended off with. I, I really do believe there are people here today that you just need to come to the Lord and humble yourself before Him. And it's not come forward now and get a spanking. It's come forward now and just, just say to the Lord what he already knows. I'm sorry. I keep grabbing the wheel. I keep wanting to drive. But again, I'm coming to you saying you know, you drive, I'm sorry. Just, so I want to, for in a second here, I'm gonna invite you forward just to come to the Lord and do and do some business. Then I felt that there are some people that he wants to help you. He wants to help you from being focused on what you've been called out of. He wants to turn your eyes to just the incredible uh, joy and blessing that, that you would actually come to a place in your life where you would just say, oh, I love following Jesus, like that it really, would, it really would be something that just gives you life and doesn't depress you because of the sense of failure that's, that's attached with it. We want to pray for you. He wants to, he wants to bring you joy. Uh, also had a, a, a sense of, um, of some stomach issues. Is there anyone here that has, uh, like, ulcers? Had the word ulcers? Please respond or I'm going to get an ulcer. <laughs> if... <laughs> Okay, but if that's you, I want to encourage you to get prayer. But any, some, uh, some digestion issues, like celiac. Okay, I see I see a few. Don't be embarrassed. God wants to touch you. He wants to you know, bring comfort. So any digestion issues, and really any sickness. We love praying for people who are sick. So uh, any of the things I've said, I just want to invite you forward. JT's going to lead us in a song. Come on forward, and and as people come forward, let's make sure someone's praying for them, guys for guys, gals for gals. I want to encourage you, like I said earlier in the message, if you've never really come forward to pray, why don't you start today, come forward and join someone else, and just watch what they do. Just listen to what they do. So uh, come on forward. Let's have folks praying for people, and then I'll come back here in a little bit, and I'll end off the service. So just come on up. And again, let's make sure everyone who comes forward has someone praying for them. You don't have to talk very much. Just put a hand on their shoulder. So, we're going to need lots of guys and gals. Lord we thank you for your presence and you know I ask that you would pour out into us a hunger for you that you would pour into us a a greater surrenderedness to you that you would pour into us a greater expectation and experience of your life changing power in our lives Lord remind us, remind us this week as we get back into our routines and uh, remind us that you're with us. Remind us that we're we're never alone, Lord. Remind us of just the power that's that's available to us. May, make us a people that are constantly leaning into you, constantly looking to you. Lord, remind us this week that we're we're clay pots, but then remind us that we're filled with the treasure, that we're filled with you. I thank you for each one that's here. I thank you that you know us, you love us. I thank you that you're working in all of our lives. And uh, I just pray a blessing over each one, each family represented. Pray that you would protect us this week. Uh, just keep us walking close to you. Lord, we thank you for this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're getting prayer, feel for, uh, free to just continue. For the rest of you, we're going to let you go. Uh, Thanks so much for coming this morning. We hope to see you at 6 p.m. on the square. We're going to have a good time. Lots of chili, good music. Uh, But bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.